Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Tuesday, March 7th, 2023. This is Shannon, and tonight I am here with Brooke and Stacy. Mika was supposed to join us, but COVID has reared its covid head, and so we are minus Meektastic. But we are here today. It is very sad. We are here today to talk about shifters. We've done like fantasy, paranormal romance, magic, but we've never focused exclusively on the magical world of shifters. And so we are here for that. So we will, of course, get started with the usual housekeeping information. Then Stacy will start us off, followed by Brooke and then me. And we can all think about the wonderful shifter books Mika would have talked about. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the book bistro podcast at gmail.com. My first book this evening is one that has been on my radar for quite a while now. And I actually started it a while back. And for whatever reason, I just could not get invested. I wasn't in the, I'm, I'm a mood reader and I couldn't get invested. So I picked it up last week and promptly inhaled it pretty much in one sitting. And I'm going to talk about Wolf Marked and it's Magic Side Wolfbound book one. And it's by Veronica Douglas. And this book is about Savannah and Savannah is just living this sort of unremarkable life in this small town in Wisconsin. And she's a waitress at a bar. She's just sort of trying to get by for now. Um, And there just aren't a lot of really exciting prospects in this town for her. And there's a lot of discussion about Savannah when the book opens in the, in the bar as she's serving people at their tables Because just a few days ago, a young woman who looked remarkably like Savannah was kidnapped. And it wasn't the first, she wasn't the first person to be taken. But, you know, basically Savannah could have basically been her doppelganger or her twin. And people keep commenting, right? And people keep commenting. And it's like, oh, did you know you look like the young woman who was taken? (laughs) And Savannah's like, oh, MG, like I'm done hearing about this. And then there's this table of kind of, dirty looking, uh, a dirty looking couple with tats and just sort of rougher looking. And they stare at her a lot as they drink through a bunch of cheap beer. 
And when Savannah is going to the bar to get them their next drinks, the door of the bar opens and in walks this very fine male specimen. And everyone is ogling him for a moment, which of course is objectification. You shouldn't ogle people. But in this book, that's what all the females (laughs) of the bar were doing. And when Savannah turns around to go back to the table, the rough looking couple with the tats has rushed out the back door, not paying for their drinks. Correct. And Savannah is pretty pissed about this, rightfully so, because they're dashing. That comes out of her money, out of her nightly money, right? And so she, in a slightly questionable uh, turn of events, chases them out the back door to where they are talking in the parking lot. And something about what they are doing doesn't seem right. And as she's trying to back away, because they're talking about making the snatch tonight because this other person is close by and as she's turning to get back to the bar they see her and start chasing her oh and as savannah's running to her car a bystander steps in and is violently torn asunder by the man in this couple And Savannah's like, I did not see what I think I just saw. Like, he did not just punch his hand, like, into this guy's chest. And she, like, jumps in the car, and she's trying to run away. And OMG, like, now they're chasing her. And how is this possible? They're keeping up with her freaking car on the road. She's going 45 miles an hour in her rust bucket car. And they are keeping up with her. And after a while, she's able to shake the female off of her car. And the man... It's up on top of her car. He's like up on her windshield and he's like punching through her windshield. And can she possibly be seeing that he has claws? Like what is happening? And after a harrowing few minutes, um, she manages to run him over and she continues driving until she's pulled over by a cop about a mile down the road from where um, this happened. And as she's trying to relate the story to the cop about this man and woman with claws and how they basically like punched into this man's chest and how he was on top of her car and they were chasing it, like the whole thing, which sounds even more far-fetched as she's saying it, another truck pulls up with a man who says that he's from like the state wildlife, um, whatever, I can't think of the proper wording. And she's like, what is happening? Well, they go back to the scene of the accident where she ran over this man But there's no man laying in the road. There's a wolf. Oh. And Savannah is completely shaken up by this. So anyway, I had to tell you all of this to say that because of these events, Savannah enters a world that she never knew existed. And the man who said he was part of the like state wildlife, whatever the heck it's called, was actually um, the alpha of a wolf pack in Chicago. And many things happen, but Savannah decides that she has to get out of town. Um, She's an orphan. Her parents passed away when she was in high school under some pretty distressing circumstances. She's living now with her godmother who springs upon her that actually she has an aunt she never knew about living in this suburb of Chicago called Magic Side, which she's also never heard of. And Savannah decides that she has to get away from like this Jackson Laurent person who's like hounding her and like wanting to follow her around and, you know, and she's feeling very uncomfortable. So she decides like, again, a little bit of a questionable decision-making process here, but she's going to go and just like drive 
to Chicago and go like see this aunt that she never knew existed until now. (laughs) And so, you know, this book has many convoluted twists and turns, but what we find out is actually magic side is exactly what it sounds like. It's a magical Island that has sprung up in Lake Michigan with access to Chicago. And it is for magical people, shifters and mages and, um, well, there's some vampires and demons. So it's, it's where all the magic people Ooh. live in this area of the world. And here is where Savannah begins to learn a little bit about who her family actually is, which one thing they are, um, are mortal enemies of Jackson Laurent and his pack because someone in her family actually killed his sister. And there's been bad blood between the families for generations. But she's so drawn to Jackson and they keep getting thrown together because someone is still out there who wants Savannah for reasons she cannot fully understand. And reasons we do not fully understand for quite a bit of the book. This book is nonstop action. It's, it had to me more of like an urban fantasy feeling more than like a romance. There is a romantic slow burn story arc. Um, I've read, I'm, I'm just about to start book three of the series and they haven't, they haven't actually, um, Jackson and Savannah haven't actually gotten together yet, but many, many things have happened. And there's this wild attraction that they're both fighting pretty hard. But in this book, we kind of begin to realize that Savannah um, has some very special magical gifts that someone wants to exploit. And will Jackson be able to protect her or will Savannah end up having to protect herself the first time the killer makes a pass at her in this book? I really like the series. Like I said, it's, it's urban fantasy more than romance and it's very fast moving. Um, there were a couple editing things that took me out of the story. Um, but overall, like it was a very solid read and I really am enjoying what Veronica Douglas is doing um, with the story and a little bit of mythology that's woven in there along with a bunch of really interesting magical creatures. This again is Wolf Marked Magic Side Wolfbound Book One by Veronica Douglas. And this is a completed series for those of you who need to know that because it helps me to know when a series is completed. <laughs> um, and it's uh, it's a four book series with a spinoff that's just started. Oh, okay. I want yep. this. So my first book this evening is Moon Touched, Zodiac Wolves, book one, and it's by Elizabeth Briggs. So our main character's name is Ayla. And Ayla is part of the Cancer Pack. So there are 12 different packs and they're all based on one of the Zodiac signs. And some of the specialized powers that the different wolf packs have are based on their their sign. So like Aquarius is has an affinity for water. Um, and I can't, and like the Geminis, they always rule as like a twin group. So there's always a girl, like a woman and a man who, um, who rule. Oh, so like two alphas then? Yeah. And it ends up being like a twin. So I don't, I don't know that they're necessarily always like related twins, but I, but they're always, there's always two of them. 
Ella, she is an outcast because she is the result of her mom was human and her father, who is the alpha of the cancer pack, had an affair um, and had Ella. And as soon as she knew she was pregnant, um, once Ella was born, she dropped Ella off and like kind of dusted her hands of her. And her father has always held this against her. Um, her stepmother is horrible. The only person that really in her family that has ever really looked out for her is her brother, Wesley. Um, he is the up and coming alpha. So she knows at some point things will hopefully get better for her. One thing with this world is they have to wait until they're a certain age before they get, they don't just automatically shift. They have to wait until this specific time, the specific age. And then they have like this, like kind of gathering of all the different packs. And it's when everyone will get some, get to uh, like the new kind of like the people that reached, uh, they reached the age the sun witches will help them, will give them the ability to kind of unlock their wolves. And then, so this is Ayla's year, her and her friend Miranda or Mira, something like that. Um, her and her friend are so excited. Um, they're really, really looking forward to this because also at this whole gathering, they may also meet their fated mate. So they go, um, they go off to it. And unfortunately, Ayla gets into a bit of a scuffle with um, some of the cancer pack people and also with some of the other people because she's very much kind of like the punching bag of the pack. And as a result, a lot of the other pack people seem to know this. So they really pick on her. But her friend saves her and they head off back to their pack. And then we kind of fast forward to the next day. And... It's time to get their wolves. So she gets her, she kind of shifts for the very first time. She's so excited. She's like, this is the greatest thing ever. And when she gets her color, like she's like this bright white, which just totally makes her stick out because nobody else in her pack is this color. So not only is she the alpha's unwanted child, but she's also like this color that nobody else is. So she's kind of, she's all excited though to have her wolf. So she's, she has no problem with this, but then all of a sudden they all, they have like this, this moment where people are starting to learn about their faded mates. And unfortunately for Ayla, her faded mate is the alpha's son of the Leo pack. And Jordan absolutely hates her and like refuses to even have any, any like association with her. So he rejects her and she's crushed. Mm -hmm. um, her wolf has, is absolutely totally upset. Um, they thought that maybe, um, maybe things would get better, but obviously that's not the case. Well, at this, all of a sudden the Leo pack starts attacking um, the cancer pack and they start like kind of demolishing the pack. Um, she sees her father get killed. Um, 
when she looks over, she sees her brother is like, there's a whole bunch of people on top of him. So she's knows that she needs to run. Like he tells her like, just get out of here. Like, don't try and help me just go. So she takes off and she runs and she gets taken in by the alpha of the long lost pack. So this is like pack number 13 that had got kicked out of the uh, Zodiac wolves long ago for a reason that we will find out later. And so she's really worried about her family and worried about her friend, like wondering like what happened. But at the same time, she's trying to figure out how to fit into this new pack because they, they really are trying to make her feel accepted, but they also know that they need to be very cautious. And there's also that still that pull that Jordan has on her. So will she get away? Will she survive? You'll have to check it out. This is Moon Touched, Zodiac Wolves, book one, and it's by Elizabeth Briggs. This is an author that has been on my radar for a little bit, um, mostly because of her young adult kind of time travel series. Ooh. Um, but I kind of like the idea of like the packs that are influenced by astrology. Yeah, I, each, I'm going to add this to my TBR. Sorry, Shannon. It's, that's okay. Is each book about a different couple or do we continue with Ayla like throughout? Um, you continue with Ayla. So my first book tonight is actually the first book in a series that is not my favorite by this author. <laughs> um, I really, really love the Jackie Leon series by Kayan Bannett. And I was very tempted to talk about it today, but I decided to go for a little bit of a more unique uh, shifter spin. And so we are talking about Bounty. This is Kalia Sahani, book one. Again, this is by Kayan Bannett. It is set in the same world as the Jackie Leon series. So that whole like tribunal um, aspect that I love in the Jackie Leon series is present here. So Kalia is the tribunal's executioner. And so she travels around and kills people that the tribunal has deemed must die. When she's not doing this, she also takes on bounties um, to bring people to justice. So she's pretty busy. Now, what it's important to know about Kalia is that she is the last of the Nagini, or one of the last, I should say, of the Nagini, which are a dying species of shifters. They are essentially snake shifters, venomous snake shifters. And so Kalia has led a very solitary life. There's a lot of pressure for her to find her mate and continue her, her race, but that's not something that she feels compelled to do until she is asked to look into the disappearance of a man that everyone believes to be human. And they believe that he has been abducted by this like, group of kind of magical like researcher people. And no one knows why, because if he's a human, like why would they want to abduct him? So Kalia begins to look into this and ultimately she rescues him 
And she learns that he is not the human that everyone believes him to be, and that it's possible that he may hold the secret to the continuation of being a guinea. So she feels very drawn to him, very pulled to protect him, but also very, very cautious to reveal like the secrets behind who she is to this man. So this is the first book. There are six in this series. Um, you follow Kalia and Raphael, who is the man she rescues throughout the series and get to know quite a bit about kind of how they form their relationship and also some very nifty political things that go on in this world that I think Bannett weaves so nicely into all of her series. Like you're always aware of the other magical species and sort of how they affect not only our characters, but this world at large. This is set um, in the Phoenix, Arizona area. And so you get kind of that desert feel um, which is the perfect climate for Kalia, who does not do well in the cold um, snake that, you know, she, she wants to be able to bask in the sun. And she is always strongest when her body is warm. So that is an important aspect of kind of who she is and how people are able to affect her in both positive and negative ways. If you've not read Kay Bannett, I highly recommend that you check her out. Um, I read the Jackie Leon series last year and loved it so incredibly much. And the other stuff that she writes is also pretty excellent. So this is Bounty, Kalia Sahani, book one by Kay Bannett. My second book of the evening is one that Shannon graciously let me do. We talked about who was going to talk about this author. And, you know, I just, I ultimately, I think we both agreed that as long as somebody was talking about her, we were good. But I think Shannon would have talked about a different series, but I am going to talk to you no, about there's no, no shifters in that one. So I would have had, oh. I mean, there are shifters, but they're not the main characters. So yes. well, I'm going to talk to you tonight about the seven series by the amazing Danica Dark. Yay. And if you enjoy really good paranormal romance and just excellent world building and uh, strong characters, this series, I feel like is sort of separate, but it's in the world of her Madri series. So you could start there as well. But tonight I'm going to talk to you about her shifters and the book. The first book in the series is called Seven Years. Each one of them has a number for the name um, descending from seven. And this book is about Lexi Knight. And Lexi Knight is a young woman in her late 20s who is living a life different than what she sort of intended in her youth. And she is living in the town where she grew up, in the city where she grew up. She's living close to her mother and six-year-old sister. And she is working in what sounds to me like a pretty fabulous candy store. Yes. And yes. And Lexi. I want to live in a candy store. I, I want to. <laughs> well, I think she's working in one, but I mean, yeah, living in one would be pretty interesting too. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And Lexi, you know, things haven't been all like sunshine and roses for her. Um, Seven years ago, Lexi lost her older brother who was like her best friend. And um, he was um, kind of like her sort of supporter and biggest cheerleader. And now Wes has been gone for seven years. And, you know, through because of his passing, um, her mother had another baby. Um, and then Lexi's father left the family. He just couldn't deal with the fact that his oldest son had passed away in a kind of tragic way. And so Lexi kind of put life on hold to stay close to home to help her mother, who was not planning on being a mother, you know, with a two children in her twenties, in their twenties. And, you know, now she's starting over again. So Lexi stayed close to home to help raise her sister. And she's working in this candy store and kind of getting very worried about the seventh anniversary of Wes's death. And who does she see coming back into town, but Austin Cole. Austin Cole was quite the fixture in her young life. He was Wes's best friend from like first grade on up. Um, He was at their house all the time and he was her first love. He was her first crush. He was, you know, the, the boy that she just thought hung the moon. And those feelings were not reciprocated until actually the night of Wes's death when they finally kissed for the first time. And, but then he left town um, just after the funeral. And now seven years later on the anniversary of Wes's death, he is back. And Lexi uh, goes to her brother's grave and she's sort of like mourning for him. And all of a sudden, basically she is, um, chased up a tree by a wolf and she's quite like terrified by this and after an hour of being up in this tree she's rescued by none other than Austin Cole and this my friends is where I stopped reading the book twice count them twice because after he fights with this dog in air quotes they go into a laundromat and he walks in shirtless And I was so annoyed by this stupidness because you can't walk into a business without a shirt. I actually put this book down and then didn't pick it up again until um, I read the Madgerie series and had a little bit more faith in Danica Dark's writing. So if you, like me, are annoyed by the fact that a ripped man thinks he can just strut his fine ass into a laundromat without a shirt on, never you fear. It gets far less stupid from here. Okay. I just had to, I just had to say that. So, you know, things are happening. All these men keep kind of approaching Lexi, including her ex, who she broke up with because she caught him in her own car, banging some random girl in the back seat. And so they broke up a couple months ago, but now he's sniffing around again. And all these boys from high school who she hasn't talked to in a long time are like coming up to her and saying, Lexi, it's so good to see you. And just all these random men are approaching her and acting like she is just like the most sought after, you know, woman in the county. And through a series of events, Lexi learns that there is more to the world than she ever dreamed. That Austin Cole was not only her brother Wes's best friend, but he is actually a wolf shifter. 
And he is actually the alpha of a pack of wolf shifters. And Lexi herself is actually a shifter, which is quite shocking to her because she's 27 years old and she's thought the whole time that her parents were her parents and that she was a human woman. And learning about the shifter world kind of opens her up to an amazing love story and adventures and very significant danger that also brings in her mother and little sister who then are protected by Austin and his pack. So throughout the course of this book, Lexi is also approached by other pack alphas who are inviting her to join their packs as well. And Lexi has to make a choice about will she stay with Austin and his pack or will she be influenced to join another pack with a more established suave alpha in the area. She also has to come to terms with Wes's death and the reasons for it and the secrets that have been kept about the reason for his death for the last seven years. This actually, once you get past the shirtless man in the laundromat, is probably one of the first, the best first books in a series I've ever read. This series follows um, all of Austin's pack and the people that they fall in love with. And there are seven books and a couple novellas. It's completed. And if you enjoy Danica Dark, she has um, two other completed series and another one with, I think, two books now that you can dive into as well. She's a wonderful writer and her worlds are vivid and interesting with um, complex, flawed, fascinating characters that are just, you just feel drawn into this family like I can't even tell you. So this ramble is concluded now. And I will tell you again that this is Seven Years, the seven series, book one by Danica Dark. And it was very hard to talk about that book without spoilers. (laughs) Sorry. true. (laughs) And if you read this in audio, Nicole Poole is the narrator for all of her books. And I love her so, so much. So my next book this evening is The King's Captive, Gate of Myth and Power, book one by K.M. Shea. So this book is about um, Chloe and Chloe is able to turn into a cat. Beautiful. A black domestic kitty. So when we join the book, um, she's working in a bookstore and she's heading to work. And all of a sudden these people start chasing her and There's something about her that we don't know right away about, but there's something about her that gets people wanting to kind of capture her. And there's, there's a reason I'm guessing we will learn as the storyline goes on. And so she turns into, she's able to turn into a cat, like very, very quick, like literally like she's a person in one second and like you blink and then she's a cat. And the really cool thing about her shifting is when she shifts back to being human, she has absolutely everything still with her and she's still wearing the clothes that she was wearing, Ooh. which is so different from so many other shifter books. Yes. 
Yeah. So she turns into a cat. She escapes and she's able to get to work. She goes to work. Um, she works for a wizard um, who's a woman. And together they like run a bookstore that has some different like magical books. This universe is a is kind of like um, a very contemporary, but at the same time, it's got a bit of like you've got like royalty. So you got the king. Um, and then you also have um, like it's kind of a different alternate world that he kind of lives in, but it's kind of like right up against the human world. So the next day, somebody starts chasing her again. Um, there's these three people start chasing her and they capture her and they take her somewhere to kind of trade her in for money. So there's a reason behind why they're capturing her. She doesn't really know what their problem is, but she's also used to being caught and taken to like, um, to like the humane society. And she always has like all of her, all of her family and friends have know that if they don't hear from her in a certain amount of time, then they start like this kind of like this phone tree to figure out where she is. They have this fund that kind of like this account where everyone can take out money to get her out of like the shelter or wherever, whoever has captured her. So she's captured and she's taken and the person that they end up first bringing her to, um, we learn is the king of the elves and he decides that he's going to take this cat so as far as he knows it's just a plain old cat but he's decided that he doesn't feel that she should be left with these people because he doesn't trust these people and we we later learn that they're not great people so poor chloe is stuck having to pretend she's a cat. So she's, um, she's looked up how to become a domestic cat like because she just runs into these situations so many times that she's really had to kind of tone up on what she should be doing. And so that way nobody ever suspects that she's not actually a domestic cat. And it's pretty funny because he, he's trying to like, he's never had a pet before. And then you're sort of meeting this like smushy, marshmallowy side of him. But at the same time, we learn that he is part of this elf family of they're like the war elves. So there's different families of elves and pretty much the, as far as everyone knows, their elves have been wiped out, but he's been in hiding. We don't know yet why that is so we don't know that at the beginning why he's gone into hiding but somehow he survived and nobody knows that he is the king of the elves so meanwhile poor chloe is stuck being his pet cat and it's really funny because he's trying to figure out like what to feed her because she doesn't she obviously doesn't want cat food and <laughs> she obviously doesn't want like and she can't drink a lot of milk because that causes her problems. And so he's trying to figure out what to feed her because she keeps just like not eating. It's just been days. So it's really funny to watch him trying to figure that out. And then like some of his people that live with him, they're also trying to figure out how to own a pet. Um, and meanwhile, she's trying to figure out a way to get away because she needs to go and she needs to at least let her family know that she's okay. 
because she doesn't want them worrying and starting to look for her. So she gets out um, and she's able to sneak out and she goes and she touches base with her boss and she touches base with her family and lets them know that she's all good. And when she's trying to return back to where the king and his people are, because they're, um, they're doing some stuff in town and that's how she's able to get away. And she finds out that she's being followed and that somebody is trying to catch her. And I'm going to have to leave it there. I know that's kind of a little bit vague, but I don't, it's, it's kind of easy to give up stuff. But um, at, in, at least in this book, I'm guessing it, like there is a romance part that kind of develops later. But right now, for, at least for this book, she's pretty much a cat most of the time. And obviously they don't have this like a beautiful love story. <laughs> but you can definitely tell that something is going to happen. So if you want to know how Chloe does it and at what point does she end up, will she ever kind of reveal herself to be a human, then you will have to check out the King's Captive, Gates of Myth and Power, book one by K.M. Shea. And um, so book two is out. And then I think book three comes out. I think it's March 24th. So really soon. All right. So my next pick is one that we've talked about a couple of times on the podcast before, but I think it's always worth talking about this author again, because she does not get enough love. And that makes me ever so sad. And this is another one of these books or these series that Stacy and Sarah um, keep ignoring me when I tell them to read. And this is very bad behavior on behalf of the Beastresses. <laughs> but sometimes people don't follow the rules. So we are talking about Heart of Malice, Alice Worth, book one by Lisa Edmonds. Now, in this, the twins' defense, I have not read these either. Ooh. Oh my God, you are also a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you Thank are you, a more terrible person because I thought you had <laughs> read these. And so I was not aware of your duplicitous behavior, uh, regard <laughs> for my <laughs> recommendation. That's funny. Oh my God, this is fabulous. Oh, okay. So Alice Worth. <sighs> Alice Worth is a mage and she's a mage in hiding. When we meet her, she has assumed a fake identity, which is what we know her as. Like Alice Worth is not who she actually is, but it is who she is pretending to be. And she's also pretending to be a much lower level mage than she actually is. What we do know is that she is the granddaughter of this very powerful and very evil man who kept her prisoner for a number of years in order to force her to do all sorts of despicable things like in his name. So she fakes her own death and leaves. And when we meet her, she is still kind of struggling. She's a, a mage private investigator 
And she's trying hard to stay under the radar because she knows that if her grandfather figures out like where she is and who she's pretending to be, that this new life that she is crafting for herself will be over. So she is investigating a case and she meets up with a wolf and his name is Sean. And at first, you know, she's, she's drawn to him. Like she thinks he's very attractive. And she also thinks that he might be of some use to her in this investigation. But if there's one thing that Alice knows, it's that it's very dangerous to get close to people. Any person that she's ever cared about, her grandfather has done terrible things to. And so even though, you know, her grandfather's not a part of her life currently, there's still something in her that says it's better to be alone. One of the best parts of this series is watching her walls come down and watching her realize that it's okay to ask for help and that it's okay to depend on people, but it's a long road to get there. So we watch Alice as she's trying to solve, you know, this case in this book and other cases as the series goes on, but also as she's struggling to come to terms with her feelings for Sean, who is the alpha of one of the local wolf packs. And Alice and Sean end up together as you would as you would guess but it's kind of a, a rocky road like it's not one of those things where they realize that they're in love and then everything is fantastic after that there's a lot of stuff that they have to overcome before they're able to actually settle in to this new life that they want to build together um we have like vampires who have all these motives that are super convoluted and hard to understand. There's also in the sixth book in this series, some very cool like portal fantasy where they Alice is able to enter like a world that's a parallel universe to ours. Um, there's just so much to love here. And this is a series that I want so many more people to read. It's dark. It's gritty. The magic is very unique. Um, the wolves are complex. Like the pack structure, I really enjoyed kind of seeing how they were able to make room in their pack for a mage, which is something that doesn't usually happen. You know, usually you mate with another wolf and that's just how it goes, especially if you're the pack alpha. But because of who Alice is, she's able to find a place for herself in this pack. And eventually the pack you know, forms around her and is able to embrace her, even though, again, as I say, it's not it's not easy. So Sean is not the main character here, but he is a big part of the series. And so I thought that this would be a definite worthy um, addition to tonight's episode. This is Heart of Malice, Alice Worth, book one by Lisa Edmonds. This series is complete. There are eight books total. And this, there's a spinoff that came out at the end of 2022. Um, that book is called Mortal Heart. And it is um, about a vampire and like a fallen angel. I have not read that yet, but 
Lisa Edmonds is definitely an author to check out. So again, I highly recommend the Alice Worth series. Um, after um, experiencing a public shaming on the Book Bistro podcast by my fearless yes. leader, I would yes. just like to, first of all, she's not even like ashamed by her public shaming. And so no. I would just <laughs> like to articulate to the world of Book Bistro that while our fearless leader was speaking, I went to Audible and I purchased the book and now it is here. I cannot Beautiful. handle this type of, <sighs> I don't even know. I have to, I have to be cool and popular and liked. And so I will begin this evening to read <laughs> Alice Worth number one. Okay. Okay. My third book of the evening is by an author that I love quite a lot. And this is actually the first series that I read by her and I found her quite by accident. And this is her Elemental Shifter series. The first book is A Shift in the Water and the author is Patricia D. Eddy. This book is about Cade and he is the alpha of his pack. And he's been having some issues um, with some witches of late. And um, at the beginning of, his, of this book, um, the building that all, the majority of his pack is living in is actually set on fire. And it's quite traumatic. And Cade believes that nobody survived the fire. And in the midst of all of the chaos, he is actually kidnapped. And this witch takes him to a place and keeps him in like this um, fenced off enclosure where if he leaves this certain area, the entire ground is boiling hot. There's no water. Um, he gets very little food. And she um, proceeds to put a spell on him where he cannot shift from wolf to man. So he's stuck in wolf form and unable to get out of this enclosure that has many enchantments on it. In the meantime, while he is struggling in this horrible place and dying every day and being tortured terribly, Mara is facing some pretty significant challenges. She's a nurse and she has been dealing with illness kind of on and off throughout her life. And when the book begins, she is learning that she maybe has just a few months left to live. And Mara is understandably distraught by this news and decides that what she's going to do for the days that she's feeling well, she's going to pack as much as she can into the time that she has left until her body is too tired to travel, too tired to experience life because she doesn't want to miss a day. And jump ahead several months and Cade has found a way to escape this horrible prison that he's been in. Um, and in the process of doing so, he uh, gets incredibly wounded and he's still in wolf form and he ends up hiding in the back of a car that the, where the hatch was left open on an SUV and he ends up hiding in the back of the car and the car he's hiding in belongs to Mara. Mara loves to swim. She loves to dive. She loves to be in any sort of water. She's always felt more able to kind of handle what life is throwing at her when she's able to go for a good long swim 
and she's able to kind of spend time around the water. But on this day, she knows that this is the last time she's going to be able to come to the ocean to go for a swim because her body just won't be able to make the trip again. And so she's driving home and kind of grieving and knowing that she's kind of getting closer to the final stage of what's left of her life. And when she goes to unpack all of her swimming gear from the back of her car in her garage, she has a mighty surprise or mighty shock when she discovers a very badly injured wolf with like very mutilated paws and wounds. And he's very malnourished. And for whatever reason, though, he trusts her from the moment she touches him for the first time. And so she kind of feels like her last big act in this life kind of is about this wolf. Either she's going to help him to slip away peacefully in a loving place, or she's going to restore him to health. And she feels very, very driven to do this. And with the support of a friend of hers, who's a wildlife vet and her nursing background, she's able to begin nursing this wolf who is Cade in wolf form back to health. And something about being around this wolf is helping her to feel better as well. And for the first part of the book, she believes that what she's found is a wolf who can be her companion until, you know, she's no longer able to care for him herself. And they both bring each other a lot of emotional, um, healing and support while they are together. He is a wolf and she, you know, kind of with this illness that she's battling. But one day something happens that I'm not going to say what it is because it's a spoiler. And Cade is able to finally shift back to his human form. And what he is able to tell Mara is that she's actually not human. She's actually an elemental. Her element is water. And, you know, basically her magic is what kind of made, was the turning point for him. And at first Mara's like, I I don't have magic. Like I'm just a human who is very ill. But the more she's around water, the more she's able to kind of control what's happening to her and to kind of slow it down. And the better she feels, the more she's beginning to learn how to use her magic. And she and Cade begin to build this very beautiful relationship um, that kind of hinges on them both supporting each other as they both heal in different ways. And we find out that the witch who kept him captive um, is searching for him. And we also find out that his pack may not be as dead and lost as Cade suspected when the apartment building he was in was set on fire. And so this book is a lot about kind of Cade trying to figure out how to be the alpha of his pack after he has been completely broken by his experiences. And it's about Mara trying to figure out how to live in a world that she never knew existed and how to kind of manage the power that she never knew that she had. There's some really evil people in this book. And it also um, 
is the first in a four book series that kind of shows you a lot about found family and just lovely, lovely people falling in love. (laughs) It's a wonderful series with lots of danger and intrigue. And it's, to me, it's absolute perfection. But what kind of sets this book apart for me from other shifter books is that um, there's not one alpha whole bone in Cade's body, either as a wolf or as a man. And like I said, it bothers some people that um, he isn't comfortable stepping back up to lead right away because of the experiences that he had. But to me, I feel like it's a very realistic look at how, you know, a traumatizing event can kind of reshape who you are. And it also is a lot about kind of how with loving people around you, you can kind of um, learn how to trust and heal again and kind of find your power and find your confidence. It's just a really, really lovely book and just a really fabulous series. And that's all I'm going to tell you about it because I don't want to give, I would not want to give any spoilers, but if you like shifters, if you like, elementals and magic and just lovely, lovely, fabulous, complex characters and tortured heroes and strong heroines. You must read A Shift in the Water, Elemental Shifters, book one by Patricia D'Eddy. Actually, you have to read the whole series if you like the first book, but um, this book is really special to me. And I think um, if you like all the things that I said, you should definitely pick this up. Excellent. So my next book is Rejected Shadow Beast Shifter, book one by Jamin Eve. So our main character is Mira, and she's very much an outcast of her pack. Um, Her father challenged the Alpha about 10 years prior to when the book begins and he lost and after this both her mom and her were treated horribly so she's now reaching her 22nd birthday um, and at the age of 22 is when like their first shift occurs and they need their Alpha in order to have a successful shift because often when they have their first shifts. It takes a while for them to get, to be safe. So to be able to be out on their own. Well, she's kind of decided that enough is enough and like she doesn't really give a crap. So she decides to take off and um, she goes and she gets a job as a waitress in a small town and she's hiding. And her Pax Alpha's son, finds her and brings her back and it makes her life a living hell like pretty much decides like you're not going to leave until me and my father say you can leave and well that's not going to happen so we're just going to treat you like absolute garbage and her friends kind of trying to give her as much support as possible and finally her first shift day comes And she goes to her shift and it's a great experience. Like she's so happy. Um, She's playing around. She's just a very, very happy, happy. Um, Her her old friend from when she was young, his name is Jackson. Um, He's the son of the beta of the pack. 
they're playing around and they're having a great time. But then she also starts reminding herself that no, like Jackson and I can't be friends because he's been so horrible to me. Like ever since my father did this horrible thing and attacked the alpha now, like Jackson has completely turned his back on her. So she tries to keep reminding herself that no, like I can't, I can't forget what he's done to me, or at least even forgive what he's done to me. So she gets, they bring like the alpha forces them all to go back to human. They go back to human. And then all of a sudden she gets this inkling of, oh my God, my fated mate is around. And it turns out to be the most horrible person she could ever have. It turns out to be Torin, which is the alpha's son. And he's oh. horrified. He is absolutely horrified. Um, her wolf is pretty excited. She thinks, oh, there's no way like things, life's going to get better because I guess that's the way they feel. But um, he rejects her right in front of everybody. And she's absolutely horrified and she tries to take off, but she's captured again. And she's, they start attacking her and she thinks she's going to die. And she calls on the shadow beast, which is the God of their people to come in to save her. And when she does this, she's able to invoke some sort of powers that we don't really know much about. And we don't, we kind of learn a little bit as we go along. And she's able to kind of open a veil between the shadow beast world and her own. And she pulls Cade, um, so his name is Caden, which is the shadow beast. She pulls him through and he rescues her and takes her back to his world. So she wakes up in his world and she's totally confused, but he, she knows that life isn't going to be any better where, he wa- where she was. So she tries to get to know the world. Um, it's really funny. She nicknames him um, Shadow because he's the shadow beast. Because we don't know at the start that his name is Kaden. Um, you see it in the synopsis. So it's not a, it's not a spoiler. But um, she calls him Shadow. And it's pretty funny to hear their kind of banter. I guess it's very slow burn and I have no use for you. And then they kind of just start developing a relationship. Um, throughout this book, you meet some of the different characters in the Shadow Beast world. You learn a bit about it. So it's like this in-between worlds where you can go and it's like a big library you get to see this big library where all these different people from the different worlds can join up and they can all con- they can all converse. So whenever you're in this library, everyone speaks the same language, like everyone understands each other, which is really neat. And you also meet all the different people from the different worlds and all the different, like different ways of living and stuff like that. Um, they call it like kind of like a not really a solar system, but it's kind of like the middle of the world. And then you can go through these different doors that will take you to different parts of like parts of like other realms and stuff like that. And that is where I have to leave you. Um, This book does end on a cliffhanger. 
Um, all of the books are now out. I really, really enjoy it because you get to meet. So you meet Mira for a couple of the books and then you get to see her from time to time. But you also get to learn about some of the other characters. So this is Rejected Shadow Beast Shifter, book one, and it's by Jamin Eve. So I wasn't sure if I would like this from the synopsis, um, but hearing you talk about it, I think I may have to give it a try. I might have to give this a try too. I've seen it. Um, it's always recommended whenever I'm looking yes. for shifter books. My next book was pretty impactful to me because it was the first book I read where a shifter wasn't a wolf. So this is Stray, Shifters, book one by Rachel Vincent. Um, shout out to Natalia here, who I think is like the only other beastress that loves this series as much as I do. Um, our main character is Faith. And Faith is one of only nine breeding female werecats that exist in the world. And there are like other females who are older now who are no longer you know, able to breed, but she is one of like the nine young women who will one day continue the werecat race. But Faith is not content to play the part of a female werecat. She doesn't wanna just stay home and wait for a mate and have babies. So she leaves home and she decides that she wants to live the life of a human. She goes to college and she does everything she can to sort of stay out of the way of her father and her brothers and the other men of her pride. Then, female werecats begin to go missing. And Faith is sort of, I don't want to say taken, but kind of forcibly convinced to return to her pride land where her father feels like he can protect her. Um, she is on her college campus and she senses a stray werecat is around and he attacks her. Now, fortunately or unfortunately, depending upon whose um, point of view you're seeking, her father has had someone watching Faith kind of from the shadows for a while. And so he is able to kind of run in and get rid of this stray. And then of course he takes her back to her pride lands, which she is not very happy about. But once she returns, she gets kind of swept back up into all of the werecat politics. And she realizes that her role isn't just that of another breeding female. Instead, she has a bigger part to play in sort of the whole like, council of werecat prides. And she starts to learn a lot about what it really means to step up and play the part that you've been destined to play all of your life, even if it's not the part that you assumed you would play. Um, a lot of people don't like Faith as a heroine. I will say that, you know, she doesn't always make the best decisions. She's kind of impetuous, um, a little headstrong. But what I like most about her is her ability to learn 
from the mistakes that she makes and grow to be, you know, a stronger, better person as the series goes on. Um, there are times when you're like, really? Like, you know, come on, you use your head, you know, don't just go off without a plan. Um, but all of the things that she does are so like understandable when you think about who she has always thought that she would be and how desperately she wants to break free from that. And she thinks in the beginning that only by doing these sort of careless things can she prove herself to those in power. And of course, what she ends up learning is that, you know, you don't just run off half cocked and do whatever you want to do. You have to become strong and fearless, but also careful and methodical. Um, this, I read the first one, gosh, I don't know, 2008, 2009, there are six or seven in this series and I just, I love it so much. I wouldn't say that it is the most like polished of urban fantasy series, but I love it for its like non-traditional shifter at the time. You know, when I first read this, there was pretty much nothing but like wolves and I was really glad to see a werecat book. Um, and even now, like, I don't see as many cats as I do wolves. Um, but I feel like Rachel Vincent did an excellent job of creating a character and a world that I really enjoyed spending time in. So this is Stray Shifters, book one by Rachel Vincent. I think I have this book on my phone, but I haven't read it yet. So I really struggled with what to make my final book of the evening because I, I love shifter books. I love them a lot. Um, there are so many well-written series out there, both, well, in the genres that I read, which are paranormal romance and urban fantasy. And I talked to Shannon and I felt like a lot of pain making a decision. But then I knew that one series that I had to give some love to is the one that is my comfort read, my go-to, my, my book hug. And so I'm going to talk to you tonight about the Others series by Anne Bishop. The first book in the series is called Written in Red, and it is really hard to figure out how to talk about this series because it's just 50 shades of awesome, actually. Um, But let me try to start at the beginning. So just to give you a kind of a brief, brief description, um, this series takes place on a world that is very much Earth, but not Earth. It's a a fantasy. And it is um, in this land, um, there are humans and there are others. And others are the dominant sort of species in this world who control everything from like how much water a city can have to if that city is even allowed to still be. And the others are shifters, and that could be like many different animal shifters. Um, But, you know, for the for the purpose of this series, um, it mainly focuses on wolf shifters, hawks, owls, bears, crows, crow shifters. And then there are the elementals who are quite frightening creatures um, who control, well, the elements. 
And then there are the Sanguinati, who basically are vampires. And Grandfather so, Erebus. Grandfather Erebus. And so <laughs> all of the others basically see the humans as um, kind of less desirable and less intelligent. And actually, they see them as food. And so there is this sort of imbalance of power. And in each of the major cities, there are what are called courtyards where the others live and kind of are close enough to get um, like human made, human made goods that they want to be able to utilize. But within the walls, within the like the boundaries of the courtyards, human laws do not apply. And at the beginning of our story, a young woman who calls herself Meg Corbin stumbles into a courtyard and into a job. And so Meg Corbin kind of finds herself in this position of being the human liaison in the courtyard. So she is the one who is responsible for making sure that all of the mail and all of the packages gets delivered to the various residents of the courtyard. But it's also a very convenient place for her to be because it's a place for her to hide from those who would be, from those who are hunting for her, for something that she has stolen. And we don't initially know what the thing is that she's stolen. And I'm not going to tell you because it's a giant, giant spoiler. Now within the courtyard, we have the person who is like the number one of the courtyard. And that is Simon Wolfgard. I do love my wolf shifters. I'm not going to lie. I have a huge thing for them. And Simon has decided that within the lakeside courtyard, he kind of wants to do things a little bit differently. So he opens a few businesses that humans can frequent when the others decide that humans can come in, which is not always like traditional hours and times. And so Simon runs a bookstore called Howling Goodreads. And um, there's a coffee shop. There's a little, it's called a little bite. Um, There's um, several other like different shops around this area that can, that humans can visit and kind of mingle with the others and where the others can mingle with humans to try to maybe understand a little bit more about like proper behavior when they are wearing a human skin. Because the others, even when they look like humans, they have the sort of heart and soul of animals. And that's how they sort of understand and intuit the world is through the way that an animal would view the world. And so when Meg comes into this courtyard and starts working as the human liaison, she really gets under Simon Wolfgard's skin because her hair stinks. She doesn't really know much about like how to interact with people you know, things keep happening around Meg Corbin that cause him trouble, that cause him also to kind of rethink the way that humans who are employed within the courtyard are sort of seen by the others. This book is a lot about politics between humans and others. There is a wonderful, wonderful human detective in this book. Yeah. Um, whose name is um, Montgomery. Yes. And he goes by Monty, which is a, um, his last name is Montgomery. And I know his name. And for some reason tonight, because I love this book so much. And I know that there are going to be people listening to this who like love this book too. Like I'm having trouble, like 
articulating aspects of it, but there's a, there's a human detective who is now like the, the police liaison to the courtyard and it's his job to kind of act as a go-between between others and humans and to sort of like look out for the interests of the courtyard while keeping the courtyard from decimating the city of Lakeside if they are unpleased with something. So Meg Corbin comes in, she's like, you know, doing her job and causing trouble inadvertently and getting to know the denizens of the courtyard, getting to know the elementals. She's getting to know the Sanguinati. She is basically under the protection of the leader of the Sanguinatis, whose name is Grandfather Erebus, um, because he thinks that she is sweet and lovely and sort of childlike and needs to be protected. And I love love everyone. Like I love everyone in this book. I love, I love Simon Wolfgard. I love um, the ponies that are the elementals. um, I love the crows. Yes. The crows. Oh yes. The crows. Basically are like the word system for the courtyard. (laughs) Jenny and um, um, Aggie. The boy. Aggie's not in Lakeside. Um, Oh no, no. Aggie's in the other place. That's right. Yep. Um, Jenny and, um, Oh, the crow that likes to hand everyone the pens. Like, why am I having so much oh, trouble yeah, with I names? Oh, yeah, I forget that crow's name. But yeah, I, I can't remember either. Crystal? Isn't it Crystal? Well, that's one of the sisters. But this is the boy crow who comes in and, like, oh, hands out pens. Oh, uh, Jake. It's Jake. Jake. Jake Crowgarden. Jake, Thank you yes. so much. And, um, you know, but the longer that Meg is in the courtyard, the more that all of the others begin to like her and to trust her and to like want to protect her and to change the way that things are done to sort of allow more of a human pack to be part of their circle, if you will. And this series, I am not doing it justice at all because it is just so lovely. It's um, some of the political aspects of it are very um, relevant in the society that we live in today. Um, There's a lot of, darkness there's a lot of hatred there's a lot of bigotry um but there's also this lovely found family like i don't even know like how to explain this book i we all we all in book bistro kind of say that this the series is like getting a giant book hug but at the center of it it's about a friendship that is formed between a young woman and a very dominant alpha wolf guard and how that friendship kind of impacts both the lakeside courtyard and then kind of the wild, the, the wider world of the others. This series is lovely. It's perfect. It's for people who enjoy fantasy, for people who enjoy found family and friendship and politics and intrigue and humor. There's just like, I don't have enough good things to say about this series. So if you were able to kind of get anything from this horrifying ramble that I will never listen to when this is aired, because I'm so uncomfortable with how awkward I am at trying to describe a series that means a lot to me. If you just need a hug in a book form, pick up Written and Read, The Others, book one by Anne Bishop. And if you read her um, Black Jewels series, this is like Polar this opposite. Is so different from Black <laughs> Jewels. Yeah. And, and Black Jewels is very intricate and there's so much world building and all of that. But this is just like everything lovely and gentle and kind and just 
it's it's all the good things. So please, please pick it up if you haven't already. And if you haven't, why haven't you? So my last book tonight is Psycho Shifters, Cruel Shifterverse, book one by Jasmine Moss. Or it I might be Mass. This is going it's to be M-A-S. No, I don't think it's a hug in book form. It no. is totally not a hug in book form. Maybe a punch in book form, but that's better. Maybe a hug slash punch. <laughs> so our main character's name is Sadie. Her and her sister were dropped off um, at Dick's bar. And oh dear. Dick has kind of treats them has turned them kind of into his servants um, or slaves and they've been in this position for a really really long time and Sadie's had enough Um, and but she also knows that she needs to stick around in order to protect her sister because Dick is not a nice person Um, in this world there's different levels of kind of classes or classifications. There's the nulls, which there's about 90% of the world's population is a null. And as far as Sadie and her sister know, they are nulls. Um, Then we've got the betas and the omegas and the alphas are on top. So Sadie and her sister are working. And Dick goes after her or her sister and Sadie fights back Um, and something happens that causes them to start wondering if there's more to her than just being a human. Like maybe she isn't just a null. So they send her off to be tested and she tests out as being an alpha. And this is not a very usual outcome because she is female and there's no other female alphas as far as far as this book's concerned anyway. And so she goes off to the compound. She gets moved into the compound with a whole bunch of other alphas and betas and stuff, which are all males. And she's now has to learn how to be an alpha And all of these men don't believe that there's any possibility that she could be an alpha. And one thing that's interesting about alphas, and it kind of leads into why I'm talking about this book, is that alphas can turn into a different sort of creature. So each person can turn into a different thing. So it's not just... And it's not just like a wolf or anything. It could be something like completely kind of a little bit of one thing and a little bit of that kind of thing. Whoa, okay. I know, eh? So all through the book, she's having to prove herself to these three alphas that have kind of taken it upon themselves to kind of test her every which way that she is. So Jax? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) pretty much, yeah. Um, and there's a bit of, um, reverse harem in this book 
um, you will get a feeling for probably where she's going to go pretty early on. Um, so Jax is the leader of this little trio of bad, of annoying alpha men. And then we also have Asher and Cobra. And each of them have their own different story. And so we get to hear from Sadie's point of view, but we also get to hear from a couple of the others. And we get to see like how it all kind of comes about. And there's a bit of a romance that's budding between the different characters. And that is where I have to leave you. But this is Psycho Shifters Cruel Shifterverse, book one, and it's by Jasmine Moss. It could be Mass. It's M-A-S. All right. So my last book is another sort of unappreciated gem. This is Moon Tortured, Guy Brooks, book one, by Mackenzie Hunter. And this author... I don't even remember how it was that I I first heard of this. I think I saw an ad, like a Facebook ad for one of the later books in the series. And then I went back and looked at the first one. And I'm so glad that I did. So Skye is a wolf. Only she doesn't want anyone to know this because all of her life she has been taught that to be a shifter is shameful. And it's a curse. It's never something that you should celebrate. And so she has these rituals that she goes through whenever she has to shift. And she thinks that this is how she can like keep the world safe from herself. So what she doesn't realize is that she and her wolf you know, are not united and that this is causing her a great deal of trouble because like, there are two parts of her that are kind of warring inside her body. Now, her mother is dead at the beginning of the book. And as a result of this, Skye is on her own. And there are people, beings in the world that know things about Skye that no one else does, like not even herself. And they have a plan for how they can use these things that they know to their own advantage. Now, through a series of events that I'm not going to tell you about, Sky comes to the notice of the Midwest pack, and they decide that they need to protect her for the same reasons that these other beings are wanting to capture her. But Sky is very unwilling to accept their help. She feels like if she gets swept up into all this pack nonsense, it's going to cause her to give in to everything about herself that she hates. She doesn't want her wolf to have any more power over her than, you know, absolutely necessary. So she fights to stay kind of on the fringes of this pack And she doesn't want their protection. She doesn't want to owe them anything. She just wants to go about her life for, you know, whatever days of the month she gets to be a human. And then she wants to lock herself away when it's time to shift. But that isn't how the world works. And before she knows it, she is fully incorporated into this pack. It is not an easy 
sort of incorporation. Um, there's lots of angst, lots of sort of betrayal. Um, there's just a whole lot going on. And at the heart of it is this secret that certain people know. Sky kind of suspects it. And it's possible that Ethan, who is the leader of this pack, that he also, if he doesn't fully know it, like he he has an inkling of what's going on with Sky and he wants to keep her safe. But does he want to keep her safe for like altruistic purposes? Or does he too have a motive? And this is what Sky has to figure out. She also has to come to terms with her own wolf. And she has to realize that, you know, this is a part of who she is and that hating the fact that she's a wolf does herself a disservice and by extension, like a whole lot of other people too. Um, When I first started reading this, it seemed like it was just going to follow Sky, like that that was the main point of view we were going to get. But as the series goes on, you get to know all kinds of other characters. You see things from different points of view. There are several story arcs that go on kind of at the same time throughout this series. And so you never get the sense of like, oh, you know, I'm just I'm tired of like this one character and how how much angst there is surrounding her. You're always sort of swept up into multiple stories at the same time. Um, This is an author that I really hope can gain some traction and that a lot more people will pick her stuff up because it is definitely well worth your time. This is Moon Tortured, Guy Brooks, book one by Mackenzie Hunter. Adding this to my TBR right away. Very good. You can get the first four books. Count them. One, two, three, four in a bundle on Audible. This concludes our Shifter episode. Thanks to Stacy and Brooke for joining me tonight. We are very sorry that COVID kept Mika from sharing her Shifter knowledge with us. Thanks as always goes out to Christine for all of her editing. And of course, we thank each and every one of you so much for joining us each week as we talk about great books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm